I'm enjoying the executive hair gone mad. Yes, I'm going to go and have a haircut tomorrow. You look exhausted, Ralph Banford. Yeah. I am a little bit wary. What was meant to be a quiet wind down before Christmas ended up being Christmas parties and then other office parties and then leaving drinks and then... Do you mind if I interrupt you? Is it my turn? Well, I did the last one and look at the state of Rafe. I think you should do this one. Yeah. You get a pass this time, Blanford. Okay. I um, promised Mark this would be easy to edit. Right, you ready? Yep. Come on. Welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ewan McLeod. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ben Smith. This is Season 17, Episode 8. And this week, we are revisiting some of the topics from earlier in the season. chaps thank you ben hello hello happy christmas to you both oh yeah sorry happy christmas looking very festive ben well you know i'm um, i'm wearing my best blue jumper rafe you are wearing um reindeer horns seriously festive i know yeah well i feel like i need to get into the spirit of things really works well on an audio podcast <laughs> i'm gonna capture a picture of what you look like before <laughs> at the end and uh, put it as a post on this episode sounds good it looks great absolutely i still can't hear him but i know <sighs> Long-time friend of the show, Andy Hagen's written in on Twitter to say that um, he sounds like Rafe's muffled under a duvet. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. The listeners demand better, Rafe. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. Oh, you won. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Keep them coming, Andy. Well, it's good to see you. So we are going to do uh, end-of-the-year review podcast. Yes. Today, we're mid-season. We're all over the shop numbers-wise, but it's the end of the year. Uh, everyone's demob happy. We've all finished work, and we're off for our Christmas soon. This will go out over the Christmas period, mm. so hopefully you'll hear this in amongst your celebrations if you do, and if not, you're enjoying a nice quiet time at work. So we're going to rattle through yeah. some topics we covered before, give quick, some quick updates, and we're going to just pick up a few news items that have caught our attention in the last few days. Yeah. Are you ready to go? Come on. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So first up, Rafe Blanford, Connected Home Over IP was announced this week. Yes. What is it, and why should we be excited? Tell us all. So this is a cooperation between Amazon, Apple, Google, and the Zigbee Alliance, a new working group that will develop and promote the adoption of a new connectivity standard compatible with smart home products. It's going to be over IP. It doesn't necessarily mean it's connected to the internet. They just want that to be based on it. And it was kind of in the news as a way to make all the smart home stuff work with, you know, Google Assistant, Alexa, Siri, which is sort of true, but actually this is about having kind of one connectivity Sorry, standard. I don't know how to help with that. Oh, for pity's sake. No, 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 you've got to keep that in. You have to keep that in. <laughs> Google chatting back. Thanks, Google Assistant. That was very helpful. Slick and professional. Just the way we like it on 361. So it was make all those things work with each other, but actually it is interesting because there are multiple standards out there. Google's contributing Thread and Weave, getting... Apple putting the things in as well. Yeah. So the idea of this, if you buy a smart home accessory, it will work with any other product. And unusual to see Amazon, Apple and Google all cooperating together, plus all the people in the Zigbee Alliance, which is things like smart things and Philips for the light bulbs, as well as NXP and IKEA. 
So this is a good thing for consumers. However, it's going to take a while to come in because the standard isn't due to be published until like later in 2020. And I suspect it will then take a little bit longer to get into products. Nonetheless, it kind of a bit of an enter. Oh, is it going to be compatible? Is it Zigbee? Is it Z-Wave? Whatever. The idea will be that you'll be able to buy a smart home product and it should work with pretty much any control mechanism. And Ewan, like we've all got kit that works with other kit already. And some of that is driven by Zigbee and Z-Wave and standards like that. But actually, I don't know about your stuff, mm. but quite a lot of mine, it might talk to each other, but actually you've got to exist within the ecosystem for all the special features and the apps and that sort yeah. of stuff. So it's only sort of as integrated to a, a minimal extent. Haven't we been waiting for this? Just, yeah, we've been waiting to just get it right. And seasons ago, we were busy thinking, what ecosystem are you going to go with? What smart hub are you going to go with? I mean, I've just moved into my place in the UK now and, you know, it's non-smart and I have to think, what do I do? You know, how do I do this? We forgot to mention that. Do I sound You're newer? back in the UK. Yeah, yeah, back in the UK. Hello, yeah. That's it. If I sound clearer, that's because I'm not coming down the wires from Copenhagen. However, having a non-smart home, I'm having to do the whole thing again, right? Because I've still got the place in Copenhagen that's still smart and I'm getting all the updates. That's great. I've gone and bought a Hue box. I've bought a Smart Things. I've bought the Amazon thing with the Smart Hub Plus. Is it the Echo Plus or something? Yeah. All of these things I'm still having to do. So I, I'm really, really excited that we should hopefully have a far and forget system for all of us to use rather than having to do all the planning. That's yeah. the point here is actually at the moment, smart home can be quite hard to set up or it's a bit fiddly. It doesn't necessarily work with the big three. So I think what we'll see here is the setup processes and the feature support will become much more consistent and hopefully easier won't hold my breath because I think some of the experiences are still going to be dependent on app-specific features. And there is a good understanding that this will exist alongside things like HomeKit and the other kind of branded standards. But I think there will be a common underlying layer. And really, that can only be a good thing because we've seen the benefit of that in plenty of other systems. So thumbs up, but it's going to take a while before it really has an impact on consumers. So Rafe, this is good because it touches on the next subject. We're going to talk about IKEA you shared a news article about IKEA and I suppose the takeaway from connected home over IP is not oh good standards it's oh look at all these massive players who think that they're going to need a common standard in order to take advantage of this so what's the score with IKEA now? Well this was actually off the back of an article on The Verge where they went to IKEA's offices and the museum and sort of talked to them about smart home and in some ways we've talked about this earlier in the season and in previous seasons the way IKEA had come in and that was an interesting Mm. sign because they were a very serious manufacturer and creator of things for the home that was kind of integrating smart technology and they talk about it as home smart. One of their mantras is save space to add space and they take that view of the technology as well and you see that in the speakers, they're kind of bookends or putting smart speakers into the lights, into a lamp Mm. and then they've got the and the charges as well and mm. they've just done blinds as well so mm. you know retrofit blinds and all made really easy but also kind of cheap i mean to give an example of this the cheapest ikea smart bulb is about 12 dollars or so when it first launched that was a couple of years ago it's now down to nine dollars mm. philips who other big player arguably in this space their bulbs start at 14 dollars. that makes a difference because people will choose to buy smart because they just get it anyway. It's not that expensive. And you've got to imagine, like, in the long term, the survival rate of any of these kind of standalone smart competitors against someone like IKEA who will just have economies of scale is yeah. going to be harder. And I think, 
you know, the knowledge that they have and the understanding they have of the home is really second to none. And you see that in their products and how successful they've been. So it was almost a comment around smart home has almost become like a standard thing now. It started to go into the mass market. And I think you saw that with smart speakers, a number of those have been sold. But now some of the accessories around that, some of the other bits are starting to get there. And a lot of this is also kind of aftermarket install stuff. So anyone can have it, whether they own or are renting a home. So it was just kind of, I just wanted to call back to that because IKEA have continued to release things and they've got more on their roadmap for 2020. And it wasn't about kind of adding tech to your home. It was just about adding furniture and stuff to your home that also happened to be smart and the benefit and the value that added. And the way that IKEA have approached it, I think is pretty smart. I agree with you. Actually, I just bought some Hue bulbs on Black Friday and I was looking at the comparative prices and I wouldn't have gone for Hue if they hadn't been as discounted as they were. Mm, mm. So yeah, the IKEA stuff is uh, very appealing. It's also nice to see that smart stuff in uh, attractive form factor as well. Mm. No more of this, you know, sort of smart home being wires and making your house look like an electronic (laughs) shop. We should move on. I've made a purchase. I've bought my robot vacuum cleaner. Stop the clocks. Tell us all about this. We were talking about this the other mm. week, and uh, given you've killed one robot lawnmower, you and you probably shouldn't be allowed to have another one. <laughs> but um, I've discovered my new favourite uh, YouTube channel called Vacuum Wars. Right. Tell us more. There's an American chap who scientifically tests all of these different robot vacuum cleaners, and I've learned things about robot vacuum cleaners that I didn't even know I didn't know. It's been absolutely fascinating. So off the back of that, I didn't buy a Roomba. Interesting. Mm. I thought I was going to buy a Roomba, but I didn't buy a Roomba. Reef, is that what you've got? It is, yes. Right. And to be fair, that is the big name. Like mm. Roomba is the guys who practically invented this. So I have bought a Roborock S5 Max, which is a sort of upper mid-spec device. And Roborock is, a, I think, probably the US and European branding on Xiaomi's Hoover products. I've hidden it under the sofa, and it is amazing. It's brilliant. Even though it's sort of mid-spec, mm. it's got a radar-based navigation, wow. so it does route planning. It doesn't just randomly ping-pong around. It works really well. I mean, it actually, is, it is a good hoover. And um, actually, the only problem I've had with it thus far is that in the app, one or two of the words are obviously written by a non-native English speaker. So you have to sort of read them and think, what might it mean? Mm. And it's caught me out once when I was setting up some what they call invisible walls so that it wouldn't go into rooms to clean that I didn't want. Right. And rather than just remembering to leave the doors closed, you can just draw an invisible wall and then it won't go into the playroom and suck up all the Lego. Did you have to do any putting sellotape down and things like that? Did you? No, so you can. You can put magnetic tape down, but the reason I chose this model was that it now supports virtual walls. So because it's got the radar on the device, it drives around, scans, and you get a map that's dynamically built up in the app. Right. And then... You can pause it and draw a line that says, don't go through here, don't go through here, don't go on there. Wow, that is amazing. And the effectiveness of the radar is fantastic because the back of our house is all floor-to-ceiling glass windows. We've got these big doors. And as it goes past them, it draws a wall because it sees that it can't go past them. But the radar is scanning out through the window. So I can see the outline of all my garden furniture in the map. (laughs) It's absolutely miraculous. So yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's really effective. And Rafe, I get it now. Like I get why you love yours because just all the time, like running around and just doing spot cleaning and tidying up, particularly with you know young child where there's you know there's mess and food and stuff from time to time, it's fantastic. 
And this one I bought because it's got a mop as well. So it'll do mopping and vacuuming and, you know, a bit like your place, you and mm. all our places, hard floors. And so, you know, you want both of those features. Amazing. Glad to hear you're a convert. Love it. Where did you buy it, by the way? Because the website I'm looking at, it only has uh, US, Germany, no, France, yeah, Germany, Japan. I bought it from AliExpress. It was my first ever AliExpress purchase. And I didn't realise, because I was an AliExpress newbie, that, well, depending on which product it is, you can pick which of their warehouse locations it shipped mm. from. So this was in stock in um, oh, I'm going to forget now. Um, UK? I want to say Czechoslovakia. Oh, okay. But that's not a country anymore, is it, uh, Rafe? Czech Republic. Yeah. Czech Republic. There we go. Show my age now. Mm. It shipped from the Czech Republic and it took a few days, but it arrived. Great. No import fees because it was inside the EU. Fantastic. Wow. Very happy. I definitely considered it a risky purchase. I definitely thought this is money that I might never see again, but it arrived, it works, and it's brilliant products. And actually, I'm really impressed with the quality of the engineering and the functionality of the device. Xiaomi often gets panned for just cloning other people's stuff. This has features in it that are better than some of the other comparable products. So yeah, very pleased indeed. Wow. If you're into it, more vacuum-related chat in future 361 podcasts. Or- Excellent. Mm. Really interesting. Alternatively, sorry for wasting your time. Yes, I'm loving my new vacuum cleaner. Okay, let's move on. Yuma Cloud, more smart home stuff. It just seems to be dominating our attention at the moment. Mm. New Arlo cameras. Yes. You've been kitting out Shamer Cloud in the UK with new cameras? I have, yes. Well, I haven't actually done that yet. They've arrived. They arrived yesterday. I went for four ultras. And that's because just before... Because you've got too much money. No. No, it's because... They're expensive though, aren't they? Confess up, they're expensive. They are at the higher end (laughs) of the product range. But that's because I still have... I have like nine or ten of the original Arlo's, which are still going very well. But I thought it was about time to go to the next generation. I tried two of them in um, Denmark. I just bought two and uh, they were really, really good. I'm very impressed with the audio and the fact you can speak through them. And the field of view, fantastic. Really, really good. Plug and play for me at least. So I'm looking forward to setting these ones up and getting them moving. And then I I also note that I'm very sure, don't know if any of you have home alarms in Denmark and the UK, we have uh, home alarms with uh, very sure and they're really good product and they've just bought over Arlo or the rights to Arlo in Europe I see so I'm looking forward to seeing my I hope I trust my Arlo cameras integrated into the Verishore security system bring it on cool I've just bought one Ultra and a new base station as well to just cover a bit of the house that Mm. wasn't covered previously we're going to do our driveway so I've now got two Arlo base stations one at the front one at the back still using the Arlo Pro 2s elsewhere around the house and I have to say I was a bit disappointed that when it's working, the Arlo Ultra is very impressive. Mm. The video quality is fantastic, but the setup and the reliability and the integration with smart things mm. and all those sort of nice extra sort of pro level features are a step back with the Ultra. It seems like these are features that get added, you know, later on. And so that took a lot of fiddling and it was very frustrating to get that set up. Mm. So like I say, it's definitely not all Arlo products are created the same. And although I still recommend them, the Ultras read up on how they're different to the other devices, particularly if you're doing some integration. Just one other thing, in looking at the reviews for the Arlo's, ultimately I bought one because I had the ecosystem already, like you, yeah. and you know want it all integrated, and I've got the doorbell and everything. Loads of really positive reviews for the Anchor Uficam systems now mm-hmm. as well. It's a very similar system to the Arlo arrangement in terms of wireless cameras and base station and everything, but 
in a number of tests I've seen recently, they've outperformed battery wise. That's really interesting. And have, you know, sort of general, very good performance. And they're also far less cloud dependent as well, which appeals to quite a lot of people. Mm. So that'd be good. Rafe, have you got any um, cameras that's deployed at the moment? I still don't have any cameras in London. Do use them a bit in Sussex. So I'll have to take a look at the UFI setup because I kind of have been thinking about it for a while, but it hasn't just Mm. been a pressing need. I mean, the bit that I added recently was the Echo Flexes, which I talked about in the yeah. last episode, and they proved a, a nice addition. Actually, it's kind of a silly thing, and I could easily do it in a non-smart way, but having a nightlight stuck on the bottom and just being able to say, turn on the nightlight, it's just a handy thing to have at night. Yeah. We've put an Echo Dot in the boys' bedroom with a sort of a child-friendly LED lamp that achieves a similar thing. But I think if you were just looking for a plug-in nightlight, like the one we used to have, the non-smart one, that would be a fantastic setup. Okie dokie, let's keep going mm-hmm. on then. So we talked earlier in the season about emergency response. We talked about how first responders could find people. And I think we also touched on what three words at some point in the past as well. And I can't remember if that was this season or previously. And a long-time listener to the show, Mike Stead, got in touch and said, have we heard about 999 SMS? I was like, yeah, we talked about it loads in the past, but actually... I did a quick search and I think if we did, it was quite a long time ago. So just a quick recap on that one. If you're in the UK and you either need to because you have difficulty speaking or mobility issues or something like that, or alternatively, if you'd like to do it because you live in a place where there's poor signal and you might be able to SMS, but you might not be able to call, there's a fantastic service run by British Telecom in the UK on behalf of the emergency services. You do need to register in advance. But if you register properly, you can enroll your phone number to be able to text 999 and you can get an emergency 999-911 service over an SMS message, which seemed like a handy mm. piece of information that you might need to know. Very useful. If you're interested in signing up your number, go to 361podcast.com and I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can do that and uh, recommend it to anybody you know who might uh, enjoy walking or hiking or biking, which I think is sort of the things that Mike does that puts him up a mountain where signal is flaky at best. Right then, let's move on. Mm -hmm. Rafe Lanford, Express Transit we talked about and uh, we need to talk about again. Yes, because I believe you've had a few problems when upgrading to the latest version of iOS. Tell us more. Well, I can't evidence that they're linked, but they happened at the same time and I'm waving my correlation is causation flag here. (laughs) So Express Transit is as brilliant as we said previously. It's really handy to be able to just put an iPhone or a watch on the scanners at a tube station or on a bus and, and to pay contactless. And that's rolling out across the world now. It's been in the States for a while now. Uh, thank you to everyone who wrote in to say, oh, you've been able to do this on Android for ages. Yeah, you have. And, and like, <laughs> fair cop, it's something that Android's done. I think the difference here is that that's just restricted to transit and non-authenticated payments on Android, I think, caused some people some concern mm-hmm. around Google Pay because, of course, it was considered in some cases a security risk. I think Both ecosystems are solving those problems in different ways, but because of the way Apple worked, then they needed Express Transit to work. It worked really well until one day when the Express Transit card switched and I inadvertently spent a whole day paying for all my transport with the wrong card, which was irritating, but doubly so in London, because of course, as we said in previous episodes, people not in London won't know this. At the end of the day, Transport for London, look at all the payments you've made on the card, Mm. and if it's the same card, and you've hit a fair cap, they will refund you some of the charge or they won't actually uh, commit some of the charges. Well, bill you, exactly, yeah. 
So you need to use the same payment card throughout the day if you want to avail of that, and, and I did. So Express Transit, brilliant implementation problems, annoying. And also, I feel like Apple's losing its touch a little bit with the fit and finish on the comms, because having turned Express Transit on and used it a couple of times, and then I got my iOS 13.3 update, and you open Wallet, and it says, hey, have you heard about Express Transit? I was like, yes, it's turned on. I've done transactions. Why are you giving me all the marketing blurb in the middle of the tube station while I'm trying to wrestle with it? (laughs) It seems really unusually tone deaf because, you know, Apple has many sins, but good user research and understanding of the user experience seems to be one of their fortes. Mm. Anyways, yours is still working, Ray Flanford? It is, and I've been using it. And yes, it's great. Make things quicker. I mean, it's just one of those things. Oh, yeah, kind of wish I'd had that before. Any express transit in Denmark, Ewan? Yeah, um, it's a slightly different system. You use a card. Um, so, no. How integrated? Yes. yes. There's, there's no. I can see where you left now. <laughs> no, we're missing it, of course. Yeah. Okay. Another quick follow up. We were talking at the beginning of the series about streaming services. We talked about Netflix mm. and we talked about Apple Plus. And you highlighted the problem that whilst you had three or four streaming services either subscribed or yes. free, you know, Amazon Prime. Or, yeah, included, if you like. Yes. Ah, it's kind of free, isn't it? Because you don't. We're all paying for the delivery, really, <laughs> at this stage. And you said, oh, I wish I was, there was a way I could find the things I wanted to watch and yes. where they were. You've made some progress on that. I have. And thank you, the listeners who made the recommendation. Oh, re- listener, I think it was. Because it's really, really useful, this Just Watch app. Uh, I've used it multiple times. In fact, I used it in anger during one of the children's parties a little while ago when someone said, you know, don't you have you know, Spider-Man or whatever the movie was? eight children's heads turned to look at me to say, you know, why don't you have this particular movie? And I said, well, wait a minute, hold on one moment. I brought out the app, typed it, typed it. I said, ah, yes, yes, we do have it. It's on Now TV. Click. Instead of having to go and buy it, you know, with the, the parent peer pressure inherent there was going to need another £14. But I was able to save that or not have to say, look, we're not buying a movie just because someone's mentioned it. By saying, oh, we've already got it. We have access to it. Really useful. Listener Alistair Harding was the chap on Twitter who suggested that. Thank you very much. Alistair, thank you. Of course, that's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that a great tip. Ray, are you using any tools to find what is where? It still feels odd that we should need an app to help us solve this problem, doesn't it? I've actually been using Just Watch, and obviously I failed to recommend this. The reason I like it is also a good way to kind of keep an eye on what's being added to Netflix and Prime. But it also does the kind of upcoming cinema releases, so you can watch the trailers and add it all to your watch list. So I haven't been able to watch many things recently. I have a few things in the backlog. But yeah, it just brings everything together. It's kind of that aggregated service, Mm. which is great. And the search is able to very quickly identify those things. And I suspect it's a probably pretty good business model because they hand over some of the links to affiliates and things like that. But it's sort of one of those problems you didn't really expect to have, but in the world of streaming, you know, working out which service it's on and therefore where you might need to go and find it. Amazon have tried to do this with their kind of voice search on Alexa and Apple have tried to do the same thing on Apple TV, this kind of unified thing. But actually this app seems to be the one that is most comprehensive. And once you've identified where it is or what it is, it's then pretty quick to use whichever streaming service you want to to go and get it and start it. So yeah, it's a really great one. Thank you, Alistair, for the recommendation. Okay. A quick sidebar, in 10 seconds each, where do you find out about good things to watch because we're not watching adverts on TV anymore, Rafe? Colleagues and friends. Word of mouth. Okay, Ewan? Yeah, word of mouth or, or stuff popping up. Yeah, like Netflix is, is constantly saying, hey, we found something you might want to watch. But word of mouth, yeah. Yeah, what about you? I'm intrigued because 
Well, at the moment, we watch so little, those kind of recommendations work for us as well. And as you say, it just probably, you know, the next BBC drama is always a safe bet. But I'm just intrigued because we used to just sort of watch the next thing on after the news, you know, and live TV, just see what came on next and, and watched it sometimes. Those were the days. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm wondering, like, there's so much investment going into all of this streamed content. How are they going to help people discover it? It's a big, huge challenge. You know, at the moment, it only seems to be reinforcing recommendations of, yeah. you liked this, so watch some more of yeah. it. But where am I going to discover that I love something new? The serendipitous, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's move on then. Earlier in the season, we talked about the Motorola Razr, and I was unkind about it, and lots of people tutted and muttered about me being an Apple fanboy. It's delayed. Well, it's a roller coaster with Motorola, and this is why I hate them, because I looked at the specs, I looked at the phone, and I said, well done on the screen, everything else not so impressed on. And then I stumbled across the Unbox Therapy video, which came out recently, where he demonstrated the phone in about three minutes. And I was like, oh, actually, the design finish on that is really nice. And the way that the screen unfolds and is then put Mm -hmm. under tension so that you don't have the crease, like some of the other folding phones, you can see the residual crease, whereas this, the screen is actually pulled taut. I was like, oh, that's really good. God, I wonder if just I'd hold my nose and just get that, just, you know, just for the form factor, just to try out, you know. And no, it's delayed. Mm -hmm. And they haven't got a launch Mm -hmm. date now. So Motorola, just when you start to sucker me in, well, no, maybe they've taken feedback, right, from this podcast, from your feedback there. Maybe maybe they're going to make those changes and bring it to market shortly for you. Up-spec it, yeah. I mean, the more you see it in the flesh, and particularly in that video where he handles it and uses it in sort of realistic ways, mm. it's an incredible piece of industrial design, but it is still, uh, well, you can't buy it, which is one point. <laughs> And it is still compromised, I think, by the spec. Although I hadn't thought about the fact that because it folds, you can use the back camera as a selfie camera when it's in folded mode. So mm. if you want selfies, it's going to be great for that. But Rafe, it's delayed, but Samsung have this week leaked their own folding phone in exactly the same layout for only, I'm doing my bunny ears quotes here, $900. Yeah, it's interesting because Samsung obviously have um, history with the fold. It's a form factor that, as we said before, makes sense. And $900 is starting to approach, I mean, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but a more reasonable price for a (laughs) foldable phone. And Samsung do seem to have done a pretty good job on the most recent version of the Fold. So I'm very intrigued to see what they produce here. It may not have the retro appeal of the Razer, but I suspect it might end up being a significantly better device spec and kind of all round wise. And there's only a 50-50 chance it'll burn your house down as well. So that's nice. That was only one particular model and it wasn't all the phones. And you might get a few complaints about your bias there. I mean, just Mm. possibly, just consider it. Mm. Just consider it. Okay. Let's move on before I upset anybody else. It's supposed to be a a season of joy and goodwill to all men. Mm. So (laughs) let's focus some of that joy and goodwill to me specifically as I slag off Android. Time for sausage rolls. Okay. Next up, just a recap on bags. We talked about bags and loads of people got Mm. in touch about that. We seem to have hit a rich seam of people who actually care about this stuff. Lots of people are also liking the Peak Design stuff that we talked about. Mm. And I've since bought or been given actually as a birthday present there, a new duffel bag, which is fantastic for travel. It's a 35 litre sort of carry on bag. Absolutely brilliant. It's got loads of nice little design touches with bracing and things in it so that it folds down small, but actually you can open the bag with one hand, you know, so the, the zip doesn't pull and snag. It's really smooth. There's loads of nice little convenient features there. But I just wanted to mention that I think I said, actually, I think in the episode it got cut in the edit, but I was talking about I'd backed a bag on 
Kickstarter. I remember. Mm. And I got the name wrong and everything. We, we took it out and you did it. But actually, I backed the Wandered Duo Day Pack, which looks really, in design, is quite similar to the Peak Design Everyday Backpack, but it's a black finish. It's slightly more industrial finish. It's got some really nice internal organisation features. I think quite a lot of the side pockets and the organisation in the bag is probably better than the Peak Design stuff. It has one collapsible sort of divider inside it, which actually really nicely fits my cable bag, and it's got more space so you can fit magazines and things on top of that. So that started shipping. Absolutely love that. There's one or two little snags. Peak Design, the access to the bag is really fantastic, and the zips and all the entry points are really high quality. The Wandered stuff struggles slightly, but if you don't like that kind of waxed material finish, check that out. Like I say, they're both brilliant bags and I've been using that for a couple of weeks now and really likes it. And in this weather, it's really, really well waterproofed as well. Mm. I've, I've been in out absolutely lashed and everything has stayed dry inside. Did you guys buy any more exciting bits since we spoke about that? We basically came up with a shopping list in my mind. Yes, well, I've sort of recently been buying, kind of trying to find the right cable and bits bag. And in the end, I just kind of got a pretty much a no-name off Amazon. Oh, Rafe. <laughs> which has worked well. And for me, it was actually more about the internal organisation of having enough pockets and loops to kind of fit in the various cables and the SSD drive and the kind of the battery charger and all the various Apple dongles and bits and pieces. And so I'd be very happy with that. I will try and work out which one it was and put it in the show notes. But I'm still on the lookout for something that, works better for when I want to take more with me. Peak Design Tech Pack has some really good organisation and I've got loads of bits in that. It's got lots of dividers and things and it keeps everything nicely organised. Ah, check it out. You know, the cables that normally spill out and all those sorts of things. So I love that. Actually, bizarrely, going back to Ikea, I've got a little travel pack, which is a sort of a zippered thing that I keep all the accessories in and... A fanny pack. No, it's... it's, No, it's (laughs) smaller than that. It's just a cable bag, but it's really fantastic. They've put this kind of mesh finish on it. And I didn't realise that having a sort of a transparent finish on one of those pouches means you can see all the stuff that's inside. Mm. So I'm not just fishing around in the bottom of a pencil case, you know, for dongles and connectors and this kind of stuff. You can see where it all is. And so that really worked well. And I'd never really thought about that material, but I'm actually using that more and more. So really liked that thoroughly recommended they are five quid in ikea you know in their accessories bits but uh, you don't have to spend tons of money on these things but thoughtful design at any price works nicely i really love that stuff okay let's move on you and new house new network yeah i took your recommendation and used uh, zen internet so thank you and that's why i'm coming through silky smooth hopefully you can you can see me right as i as i move I'm leading the witness slightly, but attached to your Zen mm. internet, what are you going to do about home networking? Um, you're going to get Ben as a consultant and you're going to have his Ubisys. <laughs> you leave my Google Wi-Fi or what? Yes, I want to know, because you had Google Wi-Fi, didn't you, in Denmark? Yes. Okay, right, right, right. right, 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 right. And I, I want to know whether or not with a fresh start, you've decided to buy something else or if you're going to go wired, because I saw your house earlier today. I'll let the secret out of the bag. And what I can say is that Ewan's basically starting over. You're like, there are Amazon boxes piled high, you know, so. <laughs> yes, yes. So the strategy is Google Nest. I've got those two, but unfortunately, the layout of this property, it's a standard house, but then there's an extension, two extra rooms on the side. And that's where we put the TV for the children. And uh, for the last couple of days, there's not been able to access anything. The TV's been installed on the wall, but there's been no connection because even Google can't handle that. 
So I think I'm, I've just ordered a power line. That's the, the Amazon guy just arrived before we started recording. I've got up the Volo power line connector to power the TV in that room. But otherwise, I'm sticking with the Nest. Really delighted with the, the, sorry, Google or the Nest Wi-Fi because it just works everywhere. And I, I really like how you can manage it from the app. I'm continuing to fiddle about with my network. I think I'm very excited about power over Ethernet. I talked about it when I put the, yeah. the new Ubiquiti networking kits in my house. And power over Ethernet means that I can have access points in my wall that get their power over the Ethernet connection and I don't have to run a nasty power adapter up to them and I was able to retrofit them. And it also means that some of the network equipment can power the other network equipment. You know, you don't have an entire four-way plug socket full of power adapters. So this week I've been doing some reading. I found out that my SmartThings hub and my Hue hub, which mm require a power adapter. Yes. I found a guy who's discovered how to power them over power over Ethernet using a little adapter. Well, that's very smart. So I want to get those hubs in the middle of my house because the SmartThings hub and the Hue hub mm. need to be in the middle. I, d- I can't have multiple ones of those. They really do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mount them up in the ceiling of our understairs cupboard, which just by chance is in the middle of our house. I can't run power up there because it's not safe to run power that way. So I'm going to convert them to power over Ethernet, run the power up an Ethernet cable, up into the wall, into the ceiling, and then use this little adapter which breaks out the power and the data connection back to two separate cables that are about three inches long that connects back into those devices. Wow. And I ordered those off Amazon this week, and I had a bit of a play with them, and I couldn't believe it worked. It's just wow. amazing. Wow. So essentially what you do is you buy an adapter that has the correct voltage rating for the devices mm. that you're buying, and you just look at the old power adapter and say, oh, yeah, it's 5 volts or that's 12 volts, and then buy this, and the adapter asks your power source, please can I have 5 volts or please can I have 12 volts, gets the right voltage through over the Ethernet, and then all you need to do is to have the adapter to plug it back in. Really is what? We'll talk about it more mm. in later episodes. Yeah, I want to know more of that. Yeah, We're going to take some photos, but under my stairs at the moment, where all, most of my networking kit lives, there's a ton of power adapters. There's a ton of cables. Mm-hmm. Like the more I've done things the way I wanted to properly, it's been really messy to try and keep everything, you know, cabled nicely and neatly. So I'm going to get rid of nearly all of the power adapters and start to mount things permanently. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Soon, can't we just use one of these hubs? I mean, do we need to wait for all these big organisations to make their agreement? You know, isn't it possible to say, right, okay, I'm just going to use Google Home, or no, I'm, I'm just going to use Apple, or and standardise on one of those? I really wanted to because, of course, you can use Hue bulbs with certain of the Amazon Echo devices because they've got the right wireless connections. Yeah. Are they Zigbee, Rafe, the uh, the Hue devices? They are, yes. Yeah. So you can use those, but actually you need the app, don't you, really, to get the quality of the experience and the automations. And once you've set it up... That's the automations. It's programming or everything yeah. is annoying. Yeah, exactly. Do you use the app with yours, Rafe, or do you still use Voice Assistant? I typically use voice assistant for most of mine, but I have sort of set it up through Philips. But that was the kind of complicated setup procedure I was talking about. And actually, while I get excited about how we open the show, actually the experience layer is way more important to me and trying to get that automation delegation right. So when I set up rules, so like switch on and off as I wander around the house and actually I use that far more than anything else. And then I'll just say, Alexa, good night, and it runs a routine to switch everything off. So I don't use the apps that much, but I had to go through kind of setting them up in Hue, setting them up in Alexa, and so on, and then having smart things. And it's all a bit messy, and frankly, it's quite fragile because it does fall over. And I'm actually in a period now 
where they aren't working and I've got to sort of spend an hour or two kind of going through all of that again, resetting upgrades. And it's just a bit frustrating. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it's not ready for the consumer yet, is it really? I have to confess, every year I get my Christmas tree and decorations <laughs> out and I have a whole bunch of Wi-Fi plugs that I use to run Christmas decorations. And every year I have to reset up the integration and I have to rename all the things and then I have to get the Echo to recognize smart things. And then it discovers all the devices I'd previously hidden. And yeah, it's like fragile is exactly the word I would say. Nice. Very fragile. But I think for the foreseeable future, accepting all of those compromises you talked about, Rafe, I'm going to need a Hue hub. I'm going to need a smart things hub. And yeah, I'm probably going to need to have a comparatively smart voice assistant that can also control these things directly. And oh, and sorry, Arlo hubs as well, yeah. because yeah. Arlo, Hue, smart things are needed. And actually, just in this last week, as I've had a more complex Arlo setup, I've been thinking about trying to control the video camera modes, which smart things is not able to do. So I might even need to build a home assistant hub or something on a Raspberry Pi, but we're up to four or five devices already. Oh dear. Rafe Blanford's reindeer horns have fallen off. That's a sign that the podcast (laughs) should come to an end. He normally just keels over. Fetching Blanford, fetching. In your five minutes of quiet over the Christmas period, what are you going to do smart home tech or just for fun wise, Rafe Blanford? Um, for fun. Um, fun. Fun. You remember that. We used I'll to have that. I'll spend five minutes thinking about what I'm going to do. I need to think about what my next purchase is because I'm sort of feeling slightly envious of uh, you and starting from scratch and your uh, kind of POE stuff. That sounds like yeah. a quite a nice thing to look into. I'll send you the links. And I think the other thing for me is see if I can make some of the things work together a little bit better because I do now have multiple systems, which is a bit frustrating. And I'm running both Alexa and Google Assistant. And it's just a bit annoying that they don't actually do the same things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know She's speaking you to you, Ian. <laughs> you're McLeod, you're a fresh start. So yeah. you're in the honeymoon period where all the fun boxes come in and it all looks very exciting. And then you spend five days swearing at it, trying to make it all turn on and off in the way that you want. I had two Sonos devices arrive this evening. One plugged it in and it worked immediately. 30 seconds done. But then the other one just didn't come on. So that's annoying. I need to fix that. But I'm drawn to the Roborock. I'm going to speak to Hetty and see what she thinks about it. I think a Robo, almost a lawnmower, a Robo vacuum cleaner. Hoover. Hoover. It's a really cool idea. I think that's something we can play with. Yeah. Give it six months before he kills it. <laughs> well, <laughs> Certainly, it requires some care and attention, but I suppose because I've never had one, I'm probably marvelling at stuff that everyone else takes for granted. But even just that thing of, I couldn't work out where to put the Hoover down on the floor to find its base station. I was trying to sort of push it up towards the base station, and then I realised, oh no, the base station's got this infrared emitter, and I put the robot down, and as soon as it hit the floor, it went round, 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 round. Oh, there it is over there, and navigated its way back to the base station. Amazing. Again, I'm sure this is sort of taken for granted, but the maturity in that product now and to experience it for the first time like that is very impressive. I'm used to all my, you know, kind of all my first purchases being, you know, kind of early adopter broken stuff and, (laughs) you know, kind of grinding through. I'm looking forward to basically getting loads of my stuff running on POE. I've been doing some reading and the more I read, the less satisfied I am with smart things. I love the control and the hub, Mm. but it's sort of a bit constrained. It supports the ecosystems it supports and it doesn't do any other stuff and the integrations don't get any better. So I am wondering whether or not something like Home Assistant or 
there's a bunch of other open source home hub mm. solutions. I might have a fiddle with some of those as well if we get 10 minutes over Christmas period. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also getting my cameras now permanently mounted outside with proper power supplies. So all my Arlo system is deployed finally how I want it. Great. Grand. Well, that dragged on for five minutes longer than it should have done. Sorry. <laughs> Fun to recap. I think at the end of the year, just reflecting that we're still talking about smart home stuff way more than almost anything else. Mm. And I know that's partly where our interests are, but it's also a measure of where I think some of the more exciting, fun, useful development stuff is happening. Yeah, We're having the same kind of conversations about smart home stuff now that we had all those years ago about smartphones. This is true. That's interesting. Very, very stimulating. Yeah. Excellent. Rafe is so tired now, he is nodding on a podcast to confer <laughs> his agreements. I think it takes on such a broad spectrum of things. What's interesting to me about the smart home in particular is it's a move away from the kind of screen-based UI, and a lot of it is automation or voice or things like that. I actually think that's going to be a broader trend for tech, and actually the smart home is kind of a leading thing on that for me. I expect more of my life to have tech in it, but to be relatively invisible and not seen through that kind of four or five-inch slab of glass, which is how the smartphone-dominated stuff is. So I'm sure we're going to talk more about that, and we did the vehicle stuff earlier in the season. Yeah. Lots more to come in 2020. Yeah, I was driving home from Ewan's house today, trying to navigate to a petrol station using the voice assistant in the new car. Mm. And um, it's not as good as Siri or Alexa. This is not good. Oh dear. These manufacturers need to get that. Yeah. The thing is, I've suddenly realised what a high bar these tools are providing Mm. and also Mm. how quickly you become trained to think, actually, I want to do all of my interactions by voice because when I'm driving along, I don't want to be pressing buttons. Talking to an assistant is great. Exactly. So we will talk about that more next year, but absolutely completely agree with you about vehicles, Rafe, and in all sorts of different settings. Thank you very much to everyone who's listened. Thank you very much to everyone who has supported us over the years. We haven't run this season through Patreon, and I think I'll leave it off for the rest of the season. We had such a long break. It wasn't fair to surprise people with charges on your credit cards, but we will bring it back in next season. So thank you to everyone who's stayed signed up. If you'd like to support us in future, please go to 361podcast.com. You can sign up to Patreon there to cover the costs of producing the show. Uh, you can comment. You can follow us on Twitter at 361podcast. Big shout out to Mark Cotton, who edits this and makes it sound buttery smooth. Mm. He has done an absolute ton of work in the background this year. He also made the Gardening Leave mashup at the end of last episode. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Mark really is the fourth member of this team, absolutely. And uh, we're incredibly grateful for all his support and hard work this year. So Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. And... Uh, Imagine being paid to listen to this nonsense. I mean, (laughs) what kind of career is that for a man? Please reach out to us on social media. Have a good break. Enjoy your Christmas if you're celebrating. And we will be back in the new year to finish the season. Bye-bye. Is it nice to be back in the UK, Ewan? It's, uh, It's really nice. It's lovely. Yeah. It's nice to buy some proper ham, which is really interesting because they ship it all here. Hmm. And the Amazon stuff and the next day, everything is just wonderful. That's your main takeaway, is it? The ham and Amazon. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing.